This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, January 4th. I'm Virginia Allen. Some big questions here at the beginning of 2023. Will House Republicans be able to pass any conservative legislation over the next two years without controlling the Senate? What exactly is oversight and how could it be used to restore accountability to Washington, D.C. and the new Congress? Ryan Walker, Vice President of Government Relations at Heritage Action for America, joins me on the show to answer these questions and explain the significance of Representative Kevin McCarthy's battle for House Speaker. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. This is Mike Howell at the Heritage Foundation. I know how the left and the deep state operate because I've seen it from the inside. When I was working for the Trump administration, I learned how the left made our lives miserable and how they continued to think they could play by their own rules. Well, now we're taking all these tricks and tactics that were deployed against the Trump administration and turning them against the Biden regime. Through the work of the Oversight Project, we're exposing the left for what they are and embarrassing some actors responsible. We're using strategic FOIAs and fearless litigation to force these bureaucrats to deliver documents they'd prefer to never see the light of day. But for our work to be successful, we need patriots like you to stand with us. You can take action now. Visit heritage.org slash oversight to learn more. There's no time to waste. The 118th Congress is now in session. And here with us to discuss what might be in store this year and ahead in Washington, D.C., is Vice President for Government Relations at Heritage Action for America, Ryan Walker. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. So we all watched a lot of football over the holidays. So using a football analogy, give us a little bit of play-by-play analysis here. What should Republicans in the House, specifically now that Republicans control the House, what should their first play be in Congress? Yeah, I think that's a great question and something that we've been discussing openly for months now, right? Uh, We put out uh, the Heritage Foundation and Heritage Action put out seven strategic policy priorities that we'd like to see the Congress tackle head on uh, in the first hundred days coming into the new majority. Things like education, inflation, regulations, all of those sort of issue sets that are have been discussed on the campaign trail uh, should be the center of their legislative activity going into this new Congress. Additionally, though, uh, we think that the Congress should use, utilize its oversight powers in both the oversight committee itself, but also the other committees within Congress that have jurisdiction over every issue uh, that we've talked about on the campaign and others uh, to investigate things like the border crisis and what Secretary Mayorkas has done or not done, more importantly, down at the southern border. Uh, Things like the energy crisis, uh, how the president has used the strategic petroleum reserves and Uh, his his actions in those regards. Uh, Things like that is what uh, should be the priority for Congress coming in in the first 100 days or so. Okay. Now, given the fact that the Senate is, of course, controlled by Democrats, and of course, we have the Biden administration, uh, how much legislation that is a top priority for conservatives could realistically actually get passed in this Congress? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, I think there are a number of policy aspects that could easily be passed on appropriation bills uh, or must pass pieces of legislation, vehicles that are viewed as must pass. Uh, so there could be some wins there negotiating with Democrats. Like we saw uh, in the NDAA this year, there were a number of victories that conservatives fought for, like getting the vaccine mandate 
repealed for service members and other things that we can get folded into those major pieces of legislation that could be small wins uh, uh, in the immediacy. But thinking more medium term and long term, what we think the House should be doing in particular, since obviously we have control, Republicans have control in the House, is starting to put forward policy solutions to things like the border, mm. uh, having a, a litany of solutions, you know, 10 to 15 items. In fact, the Heritage Foundation and Heritage Action have signed a coalition letter identifying these specific things that we're talking about the border that we'd like to see done. Uh, having robust packages that address all of those issues go through the regular order process and get consideration in the House is an immense start on an agenda for a new administration, hopefully a Republican administration. And we have what we think are good electoral maps for 2024 in the Senate. And so we believe that there's a good possibility that Republicans could gain back unity control of government uh, in 2024. And that's pivotal, right? The House has to put forward an agenda that Republicans can then run on and say, this is what we're going to legislate on. This is how we're going to fix your issues and your problems that you discuss at your kitchen table every night over dinner with your family. Mm -hmm. This is our solution. This is our uh, plan for making your lives easier uh, and better. And, and so that's what we, we truly believe they need to be doing. And, and uh, I guess we'll see here in the next couple we months. Certainly we'll see. Well, it's really what you're saying is playing with the long game in mind, recognizing the fact that um, it, it may be hard for Republicans to get legislation passed right now, but they have a big job to do regarding oversight. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. Um, but it's keeping that future of what is going to happen in, in the next election cycle and, and in years to come to set our country up for success. Yeah. And, you know, um, if you if you pay attention to Congress uh, at all, you see that policy initiatives and ideas don't aren't introduced overnight mm -hmm. uh, and passed the next day. It takes a lot of uh, education. It takes a lot of uh, hand wringing. It takes a lot of members getting comfortable with how they talk about an issue, how they communicate what our solutions are uh, to their constituencies. Uh, so it takes time. Yeah. Uh, Democrats uh, are are very well aware of this. Uh, they will take a policy priority and they will run it through their their conference uh, and through chambers of Congress for many years, uh, e even unsuccessfully. Uh, all with the idea that that the long the long game is what they're after, and and I think that we should have a focus on that. So let's loop back and talk about oversight. That's a very DC word, oversight. Break mm -hmm. down what exactly the House Oversight Committee is, what they do, and really what their responsibility is at this moment in history. Yeah, I, that's a great question. The Oversight Committee was started and founded uh, to bring accountability to the federal government. Um, it, it is. A, a committee solely tasked with looking at agencies and their actions and bringing forward agency representatives, secretaries, career uh, uh, professionals within those agencies to testify on the issues of the day and any problems or, or uh, grievances that members of Congress and uh, uh, by extension, their constituencies have with the government. And so that committee has an immense ability to call those agency officials in, get their testimony under s sworn record, 
uh, get them on the record, uh, uh, and, and then go after them legislatively on issues that uh, the Congress doesn't agree with those agencies' perspectives on, or they think that they're just going about it in the wrong-headed way, and they can then legislate on it. So the Oversight Committee being able to issue subpoenas and bring in officials from, from again, all of the agencies is an immensely powerful tool uh, and an immensely needed tool at this time. Uh, for two years uh, plus, there has been very little oversight uh, into things like how COVID money was spent in states and districts, how the Afghanistan withdrawal was handled, how the Biden administration handled uh, Ukraine and Russian energy and sanctions abroad and things like that, um, COVID origins uh, and Biden's family. Uh, these are all issues that the Oversight Committee will look into um, and investigate. And what would maybe be the top two or three investigations that you would like to see that committee prioritize right out the gate? I think the border needs to be number one. Okay. Um, the border is a raging fire. Uh, right now, it is, it's almost a lawless place. Uh, folks are coming across the border and simply being processed into the interior of the United States without much vetting, without much uh, uh oversight to not overuse the term, <laughs> uh, but but th th there's very little being done. They're doing catch and release programs. They're taking Border Patrol agents off of their, their duty stations. They're uh, 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 basically encouraging illegal migration through the southern border. And so uh, what the secretary has not done uh, and the rules and regulations he has ignored or changed uh, or disregarded uh, need to be front and center uh, for this Congress uh, coming out of the gate. I, I, I think until we solve that problem, it's kind of hard to talk about anything else, especially uh, in, in that in that in that immigration uh, world. Sure. But but also things like the pandemic money that was spent, right? Yeah. Afghanistan withdrawal, things I've already mentioned, the energy crisis, COVID origins. Uh, and, and the Biden family business dealings, which, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, noise about, certainly, but uh, there's certainly legitimacy to a lot of those concerns. And uh, and listen, the, the Trump uh, family and administration went through this for how many years mm -hmm. uh, and, and they didn't find anything and they won't even investigate or 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 or, or even talk about uh, the potential uh, misdealings or or or. Uh, errors in judgment that the Biden family has made. Yeah. What are common results of investigations like these? Like, let's take the border, for example. An investigation is launched. They spend time looking at all the information and then, you know, come to conclusions that X, Y, and Z, you know, was done incorrectly, unlawfully. What happens with that information? Well, there are a lot of things. Uh, one, I think, uh, particular to the border, uh, those oversight investigations and getting evidence on what Mayorkas has done, Secretary Mayorkas has done or not done at the border, will be pivotal in developing legislative action against him, whether that be impeachment or some sort of uh, what's uh, the House using what's called the Holman rule uh, to, to reduce his salary to nothing or s some iteration mm. of that oversight, right? Um, uh, those are those are critically important things and could come as a result of those investigations by the oversight committee and other committees that have oversight 
capacities within Congress. So it, 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 one, it's about building that that evidentiary base uh, uh, to, to be able to have those um, policy debates on the floor that are that are uh, balls and strikes policy debates and not uh, tied to a a, 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 a talking point, hmm. uh, hmm. but is is tri- tied truly to policy. Okay. I think that we've had a good example of this and how the foundation, the Heritage Foundation, can play such a pivotal role here. The Oversight Project, which uh, the Heritage Foundation started recently, led by Mike Howell and others, um, did some FOIA requests of uh, the Department of Homeland Security, particularly around the, and I'm sure you you all have, have heard the news stories, around the whipping incident at the border with uh, a Border Patrol member on horseback. Uh, an AP report, I believe it was an AP reporter, snapped a shot of him and put it online and on one of his stories about what was going on at the border. Well, it came out uh, and was lambasted by left-wing media as this this Border Patrol agent whipping Haitian migrants at the border. Well, we FOIA'd the agency and got some of those responses, some of those email correspondence between the secretary and his subordinates. And what it showed was that the secretary, prior to him coming to Congress and testifying that he had no idea what was going on in that picture and that he believed that it was whipping, he knew for a fact that it wasn't. He had email correspondence from his deputies saying, we have no evidence that this is uh, 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 that he was whipping these these migrants or, or anything even remotely close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was simply fulfilling his job duties. So leveraging the Heritage Foundation, the Oversight Project, and and working with those members of the Oversight Committee and on committees of jurisdiction across the House of Representatives that will be investigating other things, uh, and there are a litany of them, like the IRS for one, helping them get that evidence to then either litigate uh, in the court system, uh, have legislative activity to diminish the secretary's ability, like an impeachment proceeding, or legislative activity in terms of a border security package uh, so that those oversight hearings can better inform those policy um, solutions. Well, and of course, so much of what happens in specifically in the House is somewhat directed by the Speaker of the House in making those decisions. And as of the time that we're having this conversation on Tuesday afternoon, we're still waiting to find out who the Speaker of the House is going to be. Yeah. Representative Kevin McCarthy of California is running for Speaker. Um, and there are a number of Republicans that continue to vote against him. Why does Representative McCarthy not have full support from the Republican Party? It's a great question. Uh, so we're at the time of filming. It's again Tuesday afternoon. Uh, he's now the House has voted on two ballots. Uh, I don't have the full vote count of the second ballot, but it looks like McCarthy will come up short again on the second ballot. On the first ballot, uh, there were 19 Republicans who voted for someone other than Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Uh, their contention, those 19 members, uh, uh, their contention is that Kevin McCarthy has not returned the House uh, or, or reformed the House or agreed to reform the House in a way that they feel would give conservatives more voice hmm. and more ability to legislate uh, and influence the operations of the House. Uh, he has failed to do that or commit to doing that in a way that satisfies uh, their concerns around having representation equally heard amongst all factions of the conference. Uh, so they have a number of asks 
that they've put in front of uh, Speaker Candidate McCarthy. Uh, but we have not seen uh, since this weekend really any movement on on a number of those those items. Uh, so, you know, I think we can talk through those things if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen what what ultimately comes of this. I mm-hmm. um, I, I can't uh, uh, pretend to predict. Um, it, it's it is a very internal conversation. A lot of it uh, sort of boils down to personal relationships. Uh, at the end of the day, or or, or a good number of them do. Uh, Along with these legitimate, what I think are legitimate uh, uh, concerns around institutional structure and representation of uh, different uh, political philosophies okay. uh, in the House. So uh, they have some concerns, and and so far they haven't been met. Ultimately, um, like you say, we can't predict what exactly happens here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are maybe you know. One or two, you think of of the key demands that some of these nineteen Republicans are making that uh, Representative McCarthy is going to have to agree to in order to get their support and become Speaker of the House. Yeah, I think that's another good question, um, a really good one actually. And I, it's something I don't know that we all know. Okay. Every one of those nineteen, I I, I want to say every one of them has a slightly different reason. Hmm. For voting no, uh, and it may be that you know ten or even fifteen of them all agree on the policy asks or the institutional reforms that the Freedom Caucus has put forward, but there are also again those personal relationships and previous histories that that factor into those those uh, dynamics as well. Uh, but I to point out one potential institutional change, um, it's it's the motion to vacate the chair. Uh, that is a procedural tactic used by members uh, uh, to to lodge their distrust. It's basically a vote of no confidence okay. in the speaker. Um, that they could vote him out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Okay. And McCarthy has come uh, somewhat in their direction. Uh, speaker Pelosi got rid of the motion to vacate. She would only allow a motion to vacate if it came to the floor from a member of the leadership team. Hmm. That's a big that's a big concern for, I think, a, a number of Republicans. Uh, most importantly, uh, those those conservative members. Uh, and McCarthy has again moved in their direction, coming down and bringing it back at a threshold of five members needed to co-sign the resolution to have privilege on the floor and have it considered. Uh, I think, um, if if there's something that that he could move on, it would be coming back down to one member being able to bring that privileged resolution to the floor. That has historical context. Uh, it had been in place for over a hundred years previously, uh, and Joe Cannon, the former Speaker of the House, is the one that instituted that rule, um, and and it has been a long practice of the House. So. There is precedent for it, and, and that seems like the most uh, likely, I, I, I would think or imagine, yeah. uh, place that he would sort of give a little bit more. Uh, but I don't know. For everything that, that he decides in that regard, there's there's knock-on implications on the other side. So, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's a little bit like uh, reading a, a magic eight ball. It's, <laughs> it's very difficult. 
So let's assume McCarthy is Speaker of the House. How is he going to lead? What's your assessment of how he's going to do in that role? Yeah, I, I think that we're having some of those machinations play out now that McCarthy, I think that conservatives want McCarthy to listen to them, have their voices heard, have the ability to have a seat at the table. That means uh, being included in institutional conversations about uh, what the conference will consider, um, all, having having a bit of unity hmm. from the conference uh, is, is needed. Um, and I think what I think what we're seeing now is whether members believe in these multiple iterations of votes that if they support McCarthy, would he be the person that they could go to to have their voices heard? Mm -hmm. So far, those 19 seem to be saying, no, he's not that person. Um, so I don't know how he'll lead. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it uh, depends on today and the dynamics of of how these votes play out. Uh, what those thresholds are for things like motion to vacate the chair, which would give conservatives s some sort of leverage over over his um, uh, what he instructs the House to do, mm -hmm. and, and and how he operates. Uh, so I, I I don't mean to not have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't know that we know, and I think that members are trying to you figure can't that out tell today. the future, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult. Uh, well, regardless of, of what happens in Congress, we, of course, as Americans, all have a role and a responsibility in preserving our great nation and our freedom. And you all at Heritage Action for America, you do so much great grassroots work all across the country. What what are things that we as the American people can be doing as we look to the next two years and really beyond um, what could be a really critical time for the future of our country? I agree that it is uh, one of, if not the most critical time uh, in our nation's history. Uh, we are at the precipice of continuing the left's march toward socialism, uh, a, a full and fundamental takeover of our public institutions, not just government, but education, business, uh, educa university systems, you name it. I mean, they're uh, it's sort of all over the place. Uh, so this is a pivotal time. Uh, we at Heritage Action think of the next two years as an accountability-led two years. That is, we want to identify where we think the policy priorities, I mentioned those seven priorities uh, that we've identified as needing substantial legislative activity on. Uh, we want to be the tracker, the arbiter of whether we have been successful in moving the ball forward to solve all of those ills. Um, and a lot of that begins with those HRs 1 through 10, those major pieces of legislation we talked about earlier, the border security package, things like that, that they need to get out of the gate, consider uh, it, while they have this period, uh, this two-year period to do 
the policy agenda setting that we all desire and need as a Republican Party to be able to go out to the American people and say, okay, here's our plan. Mm -hmm. Here are the solutions that we have to solve your kitchen table issues, to solve your taxation, your inflation, your election concerns, your border security concerns, your election, your educational choice concerns, mm -hmm. your concerns over big tech censorship, your concerns over life and family formation. All of those things are pivotal uh, and, sh and are the foundation of our nation. And we have to make progress, especially in the House of Representatives over the next two years. So if I could give a parting word, it's to pay attention to Heritage Action's press statements, our Twitter feed, our all of our social media, all of our email traffic that goes out to our grassroots. If you want to become a supporter, let us know. <laughs> we can get you plugged in and make sure that you're an active and 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 uh, vocal voice in your community to drive these changes and and to make sure that members are being held accountable for the decisions that they make or don't make, uh, and, and ultimately showing up at the ballot box to either approve of what they've done uh, or disapprove. And so that's what we plan on doing, laying that out all for the American people over the next two years, and giving them the tools that they need to decide uh, in November uh, of twenty three what. Uh, what the what the future holds. Mm. And for anyone who wants to learn more about Heritage Action, you can visit heritageaction.com. Vice President of Government Relations at Heritage Action for America, Ryan Walker. Ryan, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't had the chance here at the beginning of the year, please take just five minutes to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Also, be sure to check out our evening show at 5 p.m. where we bring you the top news of the day. You can find it right here in the same podcast feed. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day. And we'll be right back here with you at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.